All right, Bankless Nation, I'm here with Hugh Karp of Nexus Mutual. Uh, not too long ago, some unfortunate piece of news came through the news cycle regarding uh, a very rare exploit of MetaMask that Hugh was unfortunately the, the victim of. Uh, Hugh, can you kind of give us a little bit of the backstory as to, to what happened? Um, and, and we're going to get into some, some takeaways uh, as a result of that a little bit later. But like, tell, tell us this, this story. Give us, give us the story and just a, a little synopsis. Yeah, no, thanks, David. Great to be here. I think um, I just want to get on here and at least make it known kind of what happened and so people can learn from it mainly because, you know, we everyone's trying to learn how to do this stuff in the in the best way possible. So hopefully that's the main point of me being on here. Um, so, yeah, I think a little bit of background on setup and stuff and then can kind of go into a bit of details. So I was on a Windows PC um, running a hardware wallet through MetaMask. So that's kind of the important stuff. Um, and I guess what we kind of discovered was that um, some, some time before the hack, um, I opened a docx file um, from um, via email from somewhere. That's um, a Microsoft Word file? Yeah, Microsoft Word file. Um, it could be, um, it doesn't have to be like a docx file. It could be a PDF or something like that. Um, and that essentially exploited a vulnerability in the Microsoft um, operating system. Um, I, I'm not super technical, so I'm just going to, I'm just kind of <laughs> going through what I know, but um, it exploited a, the vulnerability in the Microsoft operating system and it effectively gave um, the hacker access to my computer. Um, and so, so sorry, was the docx file, the malicious file, or did that open up the, a malicious route? Um, it, it opened up, um, there was another file connected to the docx, like embedded within it. Um, so it was like a file within a file type thing. And then once that happened, it, um, it allowed the malware to be placed on the PC, exploiting a, a Windows um, vulnerability. And that effectively gave the um, attacker or the hacker remote access to my um, PC. So the entire PC was compromised. Um, and so then what happened sometime later was they um, essentially, because they've got entire access to the PC, um, they switched um, Chrome into developer mode and then um, essentially altered the MetaMask extension. Um, and so essentially I had a malicious MetaMask version um, on, my, on my PC, which is fine because it, well, it's not fine, but at that point, um, my private keys and stuff are okay because they're on the hardware wallet, um, but the MetaMask extension com is compromised. And so um, at that point, um, what they later did was when I was going to interact with a smart contract, so just do a transaction, um, I was actually just claiming some rewards. And instead of um, when MetaMask pops up and says, yes, you want to approve that, um, it says, yes, you're claiming some rewards. And then what happens is it pushes a, a fake, well, it's a spoof transaction. So MetaMask is showing me a transaction that it's not actually going to do. So that's the fake MetaMask. And so then what it does is it pushes that transaction to the hardware wallet. And, um, and I was tricked into approving it because it has on the hardware wallet, it shows you what to do. And in theory, you can decipher all of the right. hex, hex code, but it's a reasonably challenging thing to do unless you're really, really quite technical. Um, and so I just clicked through and, 
and um, hit approve. And instead of claiming the rewards, what I was actually approving on the hardware wallet was sending the attacker um, a large amount of NXM. Um, and so then they started um, converting it to wrapped NXM and started cashing out on various um, places, converting to BTC, etc. cetera. Um, and at that point, you know, discovered that I'd done the wrong thing and we went into um, emergency <laughs> response type mode and, and kind of went from there. Well, Hugh, I, I can imagine that that was uh, not fun news to discover. And so I'm, I'm first off, sorry, sorry that this happened to you. Uh, there's this always this funny quirk with public permissionless blockchains, especially with that, you know, Bitcoin created that transactions are final, right? It's, it's a one-way street unless there are some unique specific case where you can actually do a reversion, but you know, 99.999% of transactions are final. Um, and so this is, this is an unfortunate reality about the world that we, we live in is that if there is just one way to get through one way is enough. Um, and so just to, just to recap, um, the, the hacker sounded, it sounded like he targeted you specifically with a docx file, a Microsoft word file that had a, an internal file embedded in it that allowed the uh, attacker to hot swap Chrome into developer mode, which allowed them to install a fake version of MetaMask, which was probably a clone of the real version of MetaMask. The only thing that it did differently was that it, uh, instead of doing the transaction that you wanted to do, it would do a different transaction. And what was interesting is that uh, it sounded like he cloned MetaMask, he or she cloned MetaMask to display the transaction that you wanted to do. So that up to that point, the functionality was working. But then when it sent your uh, hardware wallet, the transaction, it actually sent the transaction that uh, the hacker wanted, which was a simple send of ERC-20 tokens from one wallet to another. And so they were specifically targeting you because their version of MetaMask must have been cod coded up to specifically send NXM tokens, right? How? how oh, yeah. How, so go ahead. I, I don't actually think so. <laughs> so there's probably two stages to this. So the, the, the first, and I think this is important because I think um, some people might come away with the impression that um, I guess I'm a bit more of a public figure, so I'm more likely to be targeted, and therefore, if they're not, then perhaps they're a bit safer. However, um, the, the docx file, etc. Um, was a that, that attack up until that point that could work on anyone and so then they've got access to your computer and then they've um, then they have deployed a specific um, version of the breach so now that they've got access to the computer they can um, essentially work out a targeted attack for you based on the tokens that you actually have so they can compromise any computer or anyone. And it's only if it's worth taking the extra step because maybe you've got um, a decent amount of funds that they, that they can take it then. So um, yeah, so any, I guess anyone is potentially um, mm -hmm. vulnerable by opening these files. And I think, I think it's important, a, a few things there. One is that these files could just be shared in discords. Um, relatively easy to click. The secondly, the top, the um, the title of the docx file that I opened was on a particular topic that we were discussing in our community and within our team at that point in time. Mm. So it was um, so I guess the the hackers and stuff are frequenting the discords and the telegrams, etc., to work out what the topics are being discussed to get increased likelihood that you will open a file. Um, and so at that point, um, your, your computer is compromised and then they can take the next steps. 
So how, how do you feel specifically targeted by this one attacker or was this a random chance that you were actually the victim of this one ex exploit? I think they were targeting, they were definitely targeting um, victims within um, like Nexus because it was a topic that the Nexus community was discussing at that point. Um, I guess I'm more likely to be a specific target just because um, I likely have a large amount of um, tokens of Nexus, um, and so that, that's that's probably there. But but I, I I caution to say like you know I'm sure the particular attack can be expanded to just general people in in crypto in, that are in these communities. So what what can you tell us about the attacker? Because I know NXM uh, Nexus Mutual has a KYC process, and I believe the the attacker actually went through the KYC process. Does that mean that notes that somebody knows the identity of this individual? Um, no. So well, yes, that, there is a KYC process on Nexus, um, but the tokens, my tokens, was can own, NXM can only be sent to within members. So my tokens were sent to another. Nexus mutual member address, um, but it's believed that that um, member address was also um, compromised earlier. Um, so they, um, so that the KYC um, doesn't help us there because um, it was compromised already. Um, and so essentially, that means that um, once they've done that, they've got control of the tokens, and then they shift them out into Wrapped NXM, and then it's just a standard ERC twenty that they can do what what they wish with. And then at that point, it's it's into the ecosystem. It's the it's cat's out of the bag there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, they, they, they wrapped them and then started selling um, on various exchanges, et cetera. Um, they actually still hold a chunk of um, wrapped NXM, um, probably about a, a quarter or 20% of um, what, what um, they stole. Okay. And then, and then I believe they also transferred some into Ren BTC, and then I'm I'm presuming exited into the Bitcoin blockchain. What do you what do you guys know about that? Yeah, I mean we we tracked the funds. Um, the, the funds dispersed very quickly, very fast. Um, obviously, know what they're doing, and have probably done this before. I'm guessing just based on that. Um, but they've yeah, a lot of them have exited to um, to BTC. Well, again, uh, Hugh, I, I'm, I'm sorry that, that this happened to you. Uh, Nexus Mutual is, a, is foundational in the realm of DeFi for providing insurance for people who are um, trying to use contracts that could be exploited by uh, more additional, more, more typical attacks, economic exploits, things that we see in DeFi all the time. This one is a little bit atypical. Um, what, what have you done now, now that this has happened? How have you changed your behaviors? Like, what do you do now? Um, yeah, so I threw out that computer for starters. <laughs> <laughs> it's cursed now. Yeah, cursed now. Yeah, never touching that again. Um, but then, um, so I got um, switched operating systems, um, and then also got a specific um, other computer that I just use for signing um, transactions. So it basically just goes to a very small handful of sites and no email, no nothing else on it. Um, and so that reduces the kind of um attack um vector i guess there i'm noting that you can't actually nothing here is foolproof it's all just a matter of um levels of security really and i guess the other thing i do um quite religiously now is make sure i know which contract address i should be interacting with um whenever i do a transaction um which is painful at times, but um, I've gotten to the habit of um, looking up the contract address and then checking on the hardware wallet that I am interacting with the correct address. 
Right. Okay. So this is actually a really good tip for, for people. And this is something that if this had happened to me, I also would have lost all of my money, right? Because when I press accept on MetaMask, I immediately go to my ledger and I just scroll to the end and I, and I hit accept, right? Which I was, I'm assuming is what, is what you did. And if, if, if we had, if we are looking at this, we can actually extract details out of like, for, for me, it's my ledger for you, whatever hardware wallet you use, but there's information there for us to verify. It's just hard to do that, right? Can you kind of go through the, the process that you go through now when you verify the address on the hardware wallet with what you're doing on your browser? Yeah, so what I do is I check that um, I check what um, MetaMask shows as the address I'm supposed to be interacting with to the send to, and then I look that up on either scan and then check that that is the right one. Um, I've probably got a few key ones memorized by now, so it helps. <laughs> uh, but um, so, so I know which address the two addresses should be. Um, and then, um, and then if it and then when you click confirm on MetaMask, it pushes it to the hardware wallet, and then it, you can see the the scrolling um, to address on on the on the hardware wallet, and you can you can approve it from there. Um, I, I think you know there, there's a there's a time limit on signing the the um, the thing on the hardware wallet, otherwise MetaMask will time out. Um, I guess the point is just don't be afraid to just let it go. Just it, take your time. Do what do what you need to do. Don't feel rushed about it. Um, it's, it's more important to be a bit more secure about things. Um, I, I think the other thing that, that helps, and I believe more um, system or solutions are kind of coming in the space. Uh, you know, if, if you want to send, for example, USDC on a ledger, it's actually, instead of giving you just contract address stuff that you can't really interpret, it's pre-filled information and actually says, oh, you're sending 100 USDC here. Um, and so some of the um, more popular ERC-20s have that. And so hopefully more and more of the popular interactions will start getting pre-filled with human readable information um, rather than um, just straight kind of hex code. Yeah, have you have you uh, looked at different hardware wallets that are more uh, are that provide better UI um, uh, other than like a ledger or or a, a Trezor? Yeah, so um, I have looked at some of the others. I mean, I think one of them is the is it the Lattice by um, Grid Plus. I think that's that's got a bigger screen, so you can. Um, there you go. He's going in the background. Very good. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's got a bigger screen and so you can put more information on it. I think the challenge with all of these is that you need, it needs someone to pre-fill the, um, the actual information. Like the, the information, mm -hmm. the human readable information is not natively there on the blockchain. So someone has to go right. in and, and input the, the basic information. And so if you're interacting with a new contract that no one's pre-filled the information for, then, you know, you've still got to, do the hard kind of tech work so you know um which isn't so hard but for someone who's been in the space for a while perhaps but um but it is a pretty steep learning curve for um, a lot of people yeah so I, I think ranking the levels of risk here the the people that have a high amount of value in tokens and ether that are making a high number of transactions you know you know one to ten transactions a day uh, which I, I would imagine as the, the CEO of a DeFi protocol, that, that's what you are doing. You're making a high number of transactions per day. I feel like those people are the most at risk. But it seems to be that uh, with this kind of attack, the costs to um, try and make this attack happen aren't actually that large, right? If you are just trying to get somebody to download a docx file, um, 
that seems like a pretty, it, it, it only, that, that sounds like a, a potential spam attack where somebody could just be going into discord. And I get, I get discord DMS all the time saying, Hey, join my discord group. Like, Hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. It seems like the cost of sending that, that kind of file out to like thousands and thousands of people would actually be relatively low. Right. And so this, I mean, you are a very public figure, head of a, a one of a very, a very core part of the DeFi ecosystem. And so maybe listeners are saying, well, that won't just happen to me. But I actually think that this attack could be uh, going after anyone. Is there, is there anything wrong with that analysis? No, I don't believe so. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, there's, there's the extra time afterwards that the hacker's got to spend to kind of craft the specific. Um, malware for you like um to make sure it sends the right spoof transaction um and so that there is that extra kind of step i, th I believe um but um but that's going to be worth it once they've got then once they know that they've got access to your computer so right. um you know right. I, I i think yeah i mean unfortunately it's a uh, as crypto becomes more and more popular and more and more people start using it we like this type of stuff is going to become more prevalent and um i guess yeah we all need to be aware of this stuff but I, th I think the simplest thing that most regular users can do is probably get a different um just basic computer that signs transactions right. that doesn't do anything else um and so i think that'll help a lot what could a could a multi-sig address like a, could a gnosis multi-sig address fix this problem yeah i mean it obviously um it, someone else has got to sign the the, the transaction right, right? Um, and so, you know, there's, there's, it's obviously there's, we're always in this trade-off of usability versus, um, security. And so, um, it's, it, it's the question of how you've got that, that multi-sig, the second or third mm -hmm. or whatever, um, signature, how's that set up? And if it's going to someone else that has to view it, um, and can, can actually see, oh no, that's not what you meant to approve, then yes, of course it's going to help a lot. Um, but yeah, it, it depends how you got things set up. Okay. All right. So, so now, now on the other side of this uh, attack, you use a dedicated computer that you don't check emails on. You don't, you only go to a very few number of websites. It's a, basically a signing computer and you only use that to sign transactions. And now you also verify the contract address that displays on your hardware wallet. Um, we're also looking for out of the industry improvements in uh, UI design for hardware wallets to be able to actually consume data from Ethereum and tell you, give you in human readable terms what your transaction is about to do. And then I guess another another fix that is more dependent on the ecosystem is just like um, just infrastructure around naming contracts, right? Like what is this contract a, you know, a YAM contract or is this contract an unknown contract? I feel like they, these are the safety nets, some safety nets that you've taken concretely and then some safety nets that the industry and ecosystem also needs to build out just for the betterment of the industry. Is there anything else that we, that this industry could be doing better or anything else that you do differently now that, that to, to make sure that you stay protected? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that's a pretty good summary of things. I mean, I do, I do believe that we should be moving more towards a multi-sig world. Um, often it's quite challenging to interact from multi-sigs with DeFi contracts not all of them kind of work too easy so um like the metamask ledger pattern is kind of pretty popular um and so you know um the, the, to the extent that we can get the usability higher on, on some of those things i mean it's still it's pretty good and we're going definitely going in the right direction i'm not i'm not saying, not saying we're not doing the right stuff but it is just a, probably a matter of time until we can um build those things out a bit more 
Is has the the Nexus platform been impacted by this at all, or was this just something that impacted you personally? No, it's just impacted me personally. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of tokens out there that were started selling on the market and stuff, but um, which does impact Nexus members, and you know that's not the greatest thing in the world, that's for sure. But um, but the platform is entirely sound; it's operating perfectly fine. It's just there's a um, another token holder out there, basically. Well, Hugh, thank you for coming on and, and helping share this story. And I think a lot of people will find this valuable when they try and you know, learn how to protect themselves. Um, if people uh, want to help out Nexus Mutual or help out, is there any, anything that we can do to help with this, with this, uh, this unfortunate event? Um, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it's more just about um, being aware of what this. Firstly, be aware for yourself. Um, I think that's the first thing. And, and secondly, I mean... I think the Ethereum community in particular is really good at coming together and backing kind of the public good side of things. And I, I think, you know, there's probably solutions. Some part of the solution here is going to be um, particular projects and stuff, but other parts of the solution are more public good oriented. And so um, where there's an opportunity to kind of um, fund those or help that stuff out, then yeah, please, please take it and yeah, get involved that way. Well, Hugh, I always kind of give this similar metaphor in various different parts of the crypto world, but there's the, the first through the door metaphor where, you know, the, the, we're, we have a revolution on our hands. We're trying to build out a new financial system. And sometimes some of the people that first get through the door first take the bullet, take the first bullet. Well, uh, thank you, Hugh, I guess, for taking the first bullet for us. And, and again, I'm, 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 I'm sorry that, that this happened to you. It doesn't, no one deserves this to be happened to, to, to anyone. You've put a ton of, of sweat and toil into building out Nexus, and it's become a prime foundation that a lot of DeFi infrastructure sits on. So you deserve all of the reward and upside. And whatever upside we can, we can give you that has been stolen from you, I think we are going to do our best to make sure that, that you know, Hugh, the founder of Nexus Mutual, uh, who built something really, really awesome and powerful uh, gets that that upside somehow. Uh, thank you very much. I, yeah, let's just just get out there, review security practices. I mean, it's it's a pain, it's painful, takes time, but it's well worth it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks you for coming on and sharing your story. Cool. Cheers.